It's Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones filling in for Greg Mackling. And we like to have some fun on this show, but of course there is a major situation that we are following this afternoon in Barcelona. Tristan, can you just recap what has happened for those who might just be tuning in? Uh, What we know so far, confirmed details suggest we have one person dead, another 32 injured in Barcelona, Spain, after a van deliberately plowed into a tourist area uh, and uh, police are treating the incident uh, as a terrorist attack. Uh, We're still getting details. We had some reports earlier of far higher casualties, but that sounds to me as if it's been revised down. So, so far confirmed one person dead, 32 injured, uh, and we will keep you up to date on this breaking story. I know um, our global national correspondent, uh, uh, Jeff Semple, who's normally based in London, they're going to be heading over. The team there is going to be heading over to Barcelona on Friday to get a better idea of the scene there. And we'll probably you'll probably hear Jeff Semple on our radio station. Uh, if not today, then sometime tomorrow. All right, so we will keep an eye on that story as it continues to develop this afternoon on 680 CJOB. Also this afternoon and into this evening on 680 CJOB, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers the pregame show at 5.30, the kickoff at 7.30, Investors Group Field, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers welcome the Edmonton Eskimos. And we welcome to this program The Voice of the Edmonton Eskimos on 630 Ched, our chorus affiliate in Edmonton, Morley Scott, his name, he joins us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Scott, welcome. Thank you. How are you guys today? Doing all right, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to a, a big night tonight. I mean, this is a pretty important football game uh, in the Western Division standings, and it, it seems like uh, the Bombers and everybody in Winnipeg is pretty excited about the, the chance to kind of have a measuring stick game for Winnipeg, who's 5-2 and two against the undefeated Eskimos. So it, uh, it should be a good one tonight. Is Edmonton going to march into Investors Group Field tonight and improve to 8-0? Well, they haven't lost there yet, so there's no indication that they won't uh, they won't do that. If if you look back in past history, the Eskimos have played. Uh, let me think now. I think it's six games there, four in a regular season. No, uh, seven games, five in a regular season, uh, one in the Grey Cup game, and one in a preseason game earlier this year. And uh, they have won them all except for the preseason game where they played to a tie. So uh, the Eskimos love playing an investors group field. That's for sure. They're uh, unbeaten there. So we'll, we'll see if that continues tonight or not. Yeah, the, the Bombers have not uh, historically had a, a great record at Investors Group Field. The tide seems to be turning there. You mentioned that preseason game where they played to a 38-38 and 38 tie. I, re- I realize it's preseason and uh, it's not the, the same players that are going to be playing in a regular season matchup. But can we expect uh, or do you, do you expect another close game? Uh, I think so. I don't think there's any reason not to think it'll uh, it'll be a close game. These are two really good football teams. They're two football teams that, that can score a lot of points. And I think the best thing about it is they're two football teams that are in every game to the end. Uh, they're the top two teams as far as fourth quarter comeback wins. So if you're going tonight to Investors Group Field, certainly don't go home early because the Bombers have three come-from-behind wins in the fourth quarter this year. That's one fewer than the Eskimos, who have done it four times this year. So uh, it's uh, it's not going to be over till the final gun goes tonight, for sure. I think it's going to be a really good football game. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Bombers are, are a real good football team this year. Uh, they're probably playing, I would say, probably playing their best football in their last five years or so. Morley, I understand the Edmonton Eskimos are dealing with uh, a few injuries, uh, to be <laughs> kind, I guess. Um, how are they handling this? Uh, and from what I've heard, there are a few creative ways they're managing, managing the injuries. Well, the, the first 
thing to see how they're handling it is to tell you that they're seven and zero, right? So they've been handling it okay, but it's been amazing. It's it's just an incredible run of injuries that they've had. They're they're working on uh, their fourth will linebacker, who uh, the first three have all been injured. They've lost their middle linebacker to injury this year. They've had guys in and out of the secondary throughout the year. They lost two defensive linemen in the game last week in Elmondo Sewell and Marcus Howard. Uh, they've had three starting running backs this year. They've had uh, three receivers, starting receivers on the injured list at one time this year. I, I did up the numbers earlier this week, and they have 24 players who have started a game this year that have also been on the injured list for some time this year. So the injury bug has really hit them hard, and they've had to do some creative work with the ratio, is I think kind of what you were talking about. The, uh, they want to get some American receivers in, so what they do is they have uh, Ladarius Perkins in at running back. He's an American. They'll swap him out with Kelvin McCarty sometimes and bring in an extra uh, American receiver to keep the ratio the same at the Canadian side. Uh, they, they're doing the same thing on the uh, on the D-line as well, especially with the fact that uh, uh, Kwaku Botang is going to start his first game at defensive end tonight, a Canadian that allows them to, to bring in an extra American when he's on the field. So uh, they've, they've had to do some creative things. They've had to bring in a lot of players since the season ended. It's funny, going back to training camp, the head coach Jason Moss uh, kept saying over and over and over again how tough it was going to be to cut players. He said, it's the deepest team I have ever been a part of. It's uh, the deepest team I have ever seen in a training camp. And uh, little did he know that a lot of those players that he cut on that day, he'd be bringing back because of the injury situation. And and he was right. It's been a deep team uh, playing with their, their twos, their threes, and in some cases their fours. Uh, they are 7-0 and and playing pretty well. Morley Scott is our guest. He is the voice of the Edmonton Eskimos on 6.30. Ched, Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting Edmonton tonight at 7.30 at Investors Group Field. What does Edmonton have to do tonight to, to walk into IGF and beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, well, first and foremost is uh, I think uh, have a good start. Uh, quiet down the crowd. The crowd's going to be pretty big tonight, and it's always loud at Investors Group Field, one of the loudest, if not the loudest stadium in the Canadian Football League. I love doing games here because the atmosphere is so good. Uh, but I think maybe the most important thing for the Eskimos comes in the fourth quarter. Make sure you're ahead by four points so that Justin Medlock doesn't have an opportunity at any time in the fourth quarter to tie the game or win the game uh, with a 57-yard field goal or longer or, or shorter. Uh, he's been so good kicking those clutch field goals for them. Uh, the Eskimos have to I, – I just think they have to kind of manage their game a little bit tonight. Uh, they're getting – I think they're getting close to the breaking point with the injuries. Uh, they, they're getting some guys back this week, but they lost a couple more starters, especially on the D-line last week. So uh, it, it's going to take a pretty good performance by the Eskimos uh, to win tonight and I think it will start with a good start for them trying to get on the board. They've got touchdowns on their first drive for the last three games, so uh, extending that streak would go a long way to getting the Eskimos off to a good start. And conversely, what does Winnipeg have to do to beat your Edmonton football club who is undefeated this year and undefeated at Investors Group Field? Well, the one thing I think, and, and this goes back to me, what the Eskimos have to do too, is, is Andrew Harris. Uh, since he's been in the CFL, his days in BC, his days in Winnipeg, he has always had good games against the Eskimos. They've always had trouble controlling him and keeping him on track, and he's having a terrific year uh, on pace for over 1,000 yards rushing, uh, about 900 yards uh, receiving as well. It's never been done before. I have a 1,000-yard rusher and receiver in one season in the CFL, so uh, he's on pace to have a record-setting season, and the Eskimos have always had trouble with him, so uh, that'll be, uh, I think, the one guy they're going to key on, especially uh, offensively, is trying to look after, uh, look after Andrew Harris.
It's funny, Morley, you mentioned Justin Medlock. He's arguably one of the star players of uh, the Blue Bombers, and I can think of a few games where uh, if it wasn't for, you know, six or seven field goal kicks by Justin Medlock, the Bombers might not have pulled through. Uh, what, what is, uh, is he one of those players that kind of, I don't want to say strikes fear in an opponent's team, but is is he one of them that comes up when, when they say, hey, we're going up against the Bombers? He would he be one of those players? Yeah, I, I think so. It all comes down, like I said earlier, to field position. And you, and you don't want to be in a position where you're going to give him a chance to, to win or tie the football game in the fourth quarter. So, as I said, you want to be up by four points because you don't want to give him that opportunity. Uh, he's the, the number, the, That's the good news and the bad news, I guess, for the Blue Bombers is that he kicks a lot of field goals. Uh, the good news is he, he kicks a lot of field goals and set the record last year with 60s on pace for 62, I think it is this year, to break his own CFL record. The flip side of that is the Bombers aren't scoring touchdowns. And that, I think, is allowing teams to stay in games a little bit longer with them. So, if you know, if, if you can, if you're playing the Bombers and you can convert in your chances in the red zone and score more touchdowns, uh, you got a real good chance to win because the Bombers have the history this year and even through last year of settling for field goals a lot of times when they need touchdowns. You mentioned that uh, you enjoy coming to Winnipeg to call games because the atmosphere is good. Uh, I know that Edmonton quarterback Mike Riley has said it's a cool place to play football. Does the fact that Winnipeg is so loud and boisterous actually work against the Bombers in the sense that it jacks up the visiting team? Well, I, I've always, I've had a lot of discussions on that over the years, whether it be football or whether it be uh, whether it be hockey or whatever sport it is. If if you're on the field and you hear the crowd working themselves up and being loud. Uh, it affects both sides. I mean, everybody loves to play in front of a loud crowd. The thing about football is it's the offense and the defense. And, and when the offense of the visiting team is on and the crowd gets loud, it makes it hard for them to call out their plays. It makes hard, it's hard for the receivers and the, and the alignment to hear the play count and, and to get the call off. So I think that's where the difference is in football. And that makes it a little more important. The Eskimos practice with some crowd noise this week. They work with a silent count. Uh, they do a no huddle offense. So there's a lot of signals that they use instead of having the, uh, uh, the cues that they have to hear. So that helps them a little bit. But uh, yeah, there's a certain stigma to a loud crowd because, uh, you know, I, I did the Oiler games for a long time and, and we had those uh, back in uh, uh, back in 2006. The, the crowd was just so loud for the playoff games, but they're loud for both teams and both teams, I think, get jacked up when you hear a loud crowd. The difference in football is that sometimes you can disrupt the offense of the visiting team if you get loud. Morley Scott, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time and the insight, sir. My pleasure, guys. All right. Morley Scott is the voice of the Edmonton Eskimos on our chorus affiliate in Edmonton, 630 Ched. We turn to you now for your insight at 204-780-6868 by phone or by text. We'd love to hear your voice. What do you think is going to happen tonight? Bombers, of course. I I thought that the Bombers, if they were to lose, that it would have happened against Hamilton right. over the weekend because that... The, the 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 combination of things going into that where Hamilton was desperate for a win, they're playing at home, and it just seemed like the the time for the Bombers to lose, and then they waxed the Tiger. Cats. Oh, thirty nine twelve, I believe, was the final score on that one. It was just a, a pasting. Um, yeah, you know, two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. 
would love to hear your thoughts on the bomber game uh, tonight. If you have any score predictions, who do you th- what do you think the score will be? Feel free to text us or to call us. Again, we always prefer it when uh, you give us a uh, when you give us a call because we like talking to people. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. But your predictions for tonight, and if you have a specific score, go for it. And what do you think the bombers have to do to win? Because everybody, sports fans. Our armchair quarterbacks. I'm not, I, I always say I'm not a big sports fan, but when I used to pay attention to sports, and even when I still do, you get that. You can't help but get that armchair quarterback kind of, oh, well, you should be doing this instead, and you should be doing that. So what do you think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers need to do tonight to defeat the undefeated Edmonton Eskimos who march into Investors Group Field, kick off at 7.30, pregame show at 5.30 with Bob Irving and Doug Brown. You can call us at 204-780-6868. What do the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have to do to beat Edmonton, and do you have a score prediction? It is time to check your forecast and your calls after that. Up next, Brett McGarry, Tristan Field-Jones, and for Greg Mackling, Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Edmonton Eskimos tonight at Investors Group Field. 7.30 is the kickoff. Pre-game show at 5.30 with Bob Irving and Doug Brown. And we're asking you if you have any predictions, what do the Bombers have to do? We turn first to John at 204-780-6868. John, what do you think about tonight? Well, I'm going to go uh, as a homer. I'm going to say uh, 2119 uh, Bombers. 21-19? So you're you're calling a, a close game. I'm calling I'm a homer though. So wh- I, I'm a I'm a season ticket holder. I think that I think our coaching staff is smart enough to know that we have to have a good pass rush. Uh, they've moved Carmichael to corner instead of half. It's tightened up our secondary. Um our linebackers, they're going to be busy. Um, they got a very good O-line. I don't think you want Riley with too much time. Now, you meant you put your score prediction, 21-19, is a much lower scoring affair than uh, the Bombers have seen throughout the campaign so far. Why are you predicting a defensive battle? I, I, I don't want to say it on the air, but I think if it isn't a defensive battle, it, it, it could get very ugly. Why do, why do you want to say it on the air? Are you scared to to put uh, seeds of of playing ability or uh, give ideas to the teams? I, I I no no. I just think that Edmonton is a you know we're going to find out we're going to find out tonight how good we really are. I think we're playing a very good team now, and I say that we've played you know we've kind of feasted on the East. Or we haven't fared that great against the West. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at, yeah, I see, uh, okay, we, so we beat Saskatchewan, but it was a close game, 43-40. Lost to the Stampeders, badly. That was the first game at home. Uh, and then we lost, close one to BC, only lost by three points. And then we, uh, so yeah, we, we, we're we one and one against the West so far. Well, uh, one and one or, or one and two? Um, I'm just hanging on a second here. I'm just looking at the schedule now. I think it's, it's one and two. Because one and if, two? if BC and Calgary and then the one win. Oh, yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. Sorry. My math skills are poor. I just, you know what it was? It's because I went to that Calgary game and I've just tried to if, erase it from my well, memory. We, yeah, we were both there and they didn't score a single point in the second half. It was it was brutal. Yeah. They've turned it around, though. Yeah. You know, I, 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 think our, I think our defense is getting is getting better by the week. Um, normally, that's not the case in football. Normally, your defense... Uh, kind of gels earlier than your offense. I think in our case, our defense is starting to gel more now. 
All right, John, uh, thank you for this, and uh, you're going to the game tonight, I assume? Absolutely. All right, do you bring a radio so you can listen to Bob Irving? I absolutely do. boy. All right. It's the only way to do it. John, thanks a lot. Appreciate the call. Terry is on the line at 204-780-6868. Terry, what do you think? Hi, I think uh, 29-27 for Winnipeg. Another close one, 29-27. So, yeah, I think I think the key is to stop uh, Mike Riley. I think he is uh, probably the best quarterback in the league right now. So that you, but you think that the Bombers will emerge victorious? We have a text message here from somebody who says, "Hang on, Bombers doing okay, but sorry, not good enough for the good teams." What do you think of that? Well, I think it's a big test tonight, and we'll see how good uh, the defense is. And I think uh, Winnipeg's defense will rise to the occasion. Do you agree with John's comment that the the, the defense is gelling at this point in the season that they're starting to pull it all together? Yeah, they're starting to get better, you know. Uh, but uh, the thing is, with the defense, you can't get down too early. Otherwise, uh, this might be an ugly game. But uh, I, I have confidence in our team. All right, Terry, thanks for the call. We appreciate the feedback at 204-780-6868. We got a call here from... Oh. <laughs> We got a couple of text messages early. Was, uh, you know what, Brett? I was going to say the uh, callers we've gotten from John and, and Terry are far more optimistic than our texters. What are you seeing in the text? So here? Cam here says Bombers lose drastically 36-13. Ouch. Someone says Eskimos 50-10. to Double ouch. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else did we have here? Do, 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 do. Uh, Paul bom- is asking, by the way, if we can purchase Bomber 50-50 tickets online for tonight's game and you can bluebombers.com bombers will have to play against the eskimos wives in order to win (laughs) edmonton 38 winnipeg 10 ouch our audience our texters are not now we do have one texter here who does say 45 35 bomber win it's funny even the ones who say the bombers win it's going to be a very slim score you didn't read that text complete though you got to read the second part oh i didn't boom shakalaka Oh, what? that that's all you're going to give it? Yeah. Boom shakalaka? Yeah. Come on, you got to do it like the text says. Yeah, it's really, all in yeah. upper well, it's all uh, in upper Brett, I'll, I'll let you take care of that case. because exclamation mark. And of course Garth here Boom, being shakalaka. Garth here texting us being a bit of a smart Alex saying easy answer for the Bombers to win score more points in Edmonton. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was thinking when I first uh, said it to Morley. So what does Edmonton have to do to beat the Bombers? Score more points? Yeah, exactly. That's okay. generally how Sports works. The team with right, the team with the higher score generally wins the games. Generally, unless it's golf, then you don't want the higher score. It is coming up to one thirty on six eighty CJOB. We're going to talk about the eclipse. Tristan had himself a little adventure this morning, so we'll get into those details up next on six eighty CJOB. Brett McGarry with Tristan Field Jones. Before we move on to our next subject, which is the solar eclipse and Tristan's adventure this morning, I just want to get to a few more text messages about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and tonight's game against Edmonton. And uh, we'll get once again, Tristan. We had that one text where somebody predicted a forty-five thirty-five bomber win. And then there was the second part of the text, which I made you read, and you read it. Boom shakalaka. Yes. So there was a follow-up text uh-huh. from that, which said, who reads boom shakalaka like that? You're fired. That's what that's what texter says. Uh-huh. Just wanted to share that with you. It made me smile. Yeah, well, it's, you know, 45, 35, bomber win, boom shakalaka. I read the text. Yeah. 
Well, you, you right. didn't read it correctly. Right. Okay. Um, we have another text here from Brad, who is predicting uh, bomber destruction of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, <laughs> sixty-one to nine. Kind of a, a ridiculous destruction. Wow. Um, that would be wow. Suggesting uh, that uh, oh, someone else is suggesting Mike Riley could beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on his own. Yeah, you're right. The uh, the text messenger is not entirely as optimistic, although Eves says, and I didn't mean to say your name like Eves, it's Eve, but I meant to say mm-hmm. Eve says, and then right. I just stopped at Eves. Mm-hmm. Eve says, keep Medlock for the extra point after touchdowns. No field goals, 38-33. Blue Bombers. David says, sorry, guys, got to give this one to Edmonton, 48-20. Mm, yeah, yeah, and then... Oh, we have someone here from Dan. He's being a form, being a Bomber fan and an ex-Edmonton fan. I got to give it to Edmonton 24-16. It will be a battle. Uh, I think that's the one thing we can draw out of this. Our callers were a little more optimistic than uh, some of our texters, but most people say that it's going to be a battle. By all means, this should be a good game. This should be a fun game. All right, looking forward to it. Thank you very much for your predictions. And now I'm going to put on a pair of glasses that are essentially blackout glasses. Right. What are these funny-looking things I'm wearing right now, Tristan? They kind of... Well, first of all, can you describe them? So what uh, Brett has right now are Eclipse glasses, effectively, and they are specifically are designed specifically to stare at the sun. Now, as has been mentioned many times on the air, uh, we have a... For, from Winnipeg's perspective, we have a partial eclipse that takes place on Monday. The uh, path of totality will be taking place through the center of the U.S. Brett McGarry's taking a selfie with his, with his glasses on. Looks like he belongs in a Tron movie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the path of totality will go through the central U.S. will be f- far south of here. That's where it will be a total eclipse. I think, I believe, Kansas City and Nashville uh, are some of the metropolitan areas that are within that path. I know the city in Canada will get the best view will be Vancouver. I think it will be 85 or 90 percent of an eclipse here in Winnipeg, it will be closer to 75%, but still a great view. And in fact, in Winnipeg, it will be decades, possibly centuries, before we get an eclipse. We get such a good view of an eclipse. And uh, this really is a once-in-a-lifetime event. So if you have uh, the opportunity to go outside, and it takes place during the lunch hour too, uh, if you have if you have a few minutes, go for it. This is something that you won't see uh Again, now there is. I found something interesting here. The Telegraph.co.uk has a page that sort of shows uh, a line. They've drawn a, a line across the United States. There is a, a seventy-mile-wide corridor that they're calling the Path of Totality. Right, and it's a corridor in which the blackness will be impervious. And so it, it starts in Columbia, South Carolina where there will be totality, or pardon me, it starts, no, that's wrong. It'll, uh, let's see, I guess it'll start in Oregon, uh, Mm -hmm. 5.19 p.m., or I'm not not sure which way this is going to go. Anyway, it'll be there in Oregon, Idaho, Casper, Wyoming has some, Sandhills of western Nebraska, that is where... Our friend Scott Young at the Planetarium is going to be, is he? Is it not? Yes, he will be. He's, I believe he's already there, actually, and uh, because a good chunk of Nebraska, and in fact, it, it almost follows one of the interstates that cuts through the, uh, cuts through Nebraska, and there's plenty of towns and cities along there, so there's going to be a lot of people in Omaha, Nebraska, is going to be just outside the path of totality, so uh, if 
you're hoping to get a really good view of this. That's probably your best bet because that would be due south of us. And there are plenty, and again, there'd, there'd be plenty of road networks and interstates to follow if you wanted to get somewhere quickly to view this. St. Joseph, Missouri is another uh, area. Carbondale, Illinois, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and then Columbia, South Carolina. Those are just uh, a few spots along this map that they have traced here in this corridor of totality. Now, these glasses are interesting. I didn't know what to expect. I remember Mm -hmm. speaking to Scott Young, I don't know, when we talked to him a couple of months ago here on Mackling and McGarry, and he described these glasses to us, and they, they really they feel like those kind of 3D glasses of old yeah. that you would, the, when you would go see a movie. I remember going to see, there was a Michael Jackson movie. Was it Captain EO? Oh, I can't remember. Captain, hang on, EO. Uh, yep, Captain EO. Anyway, so that was a 3D movie at Epcot Center at uh, Disney World. They had these 3D glasses, and they were just these kind of, I don't want to say cheap, but they're they're cardboard glasses. And sometimes you get 3D glasses in comic books right. or in a box of cereal or yeah. whatever. So that's basically what these are. But the the material that is inside is is completely black. I didn't expect it to be as black. It's essentially yeah. you can't see anything. And you go outside and you put them on and you still can't see anything until you look towards the sun and then you see this orb. This, this, it's very, it's faint, but it's there. It's, you can it's see a ball it. of fire, essentially, that you're looking at in the sky. We're getting a couple questions here. Uh, Brad Doug just texted us saying, you should call an expert and have them tell us who did not get glasses, what is a safe way to watch it. Would welder shields work? Well, funny you mentioned that, Doug, because I grabbed, uh, and if you go to the Manitoba Museum, they have information sheets on this. I, would, I should also add as well, before I forget, Lou emailed us at 103 and said the museum is sold out of glasses. Tried Already to get, tried to get some. Couldn't. Wow, that is impressive. And and I will just to backtrack on that for a sec. Uh, so I went there this morning, ten o eight a.m. There was already a lineup out uh, uh, at the gift shop to get uh, those glasses, and they told me they had brought in ten thousand pairs. Yep. And sold out, gone already. But they they've been available for a while now. It's just that the eclipse fever is reheating up, yeah. and people just like you thought, you know what, I better go get some. And uh, they're gone. Well, and I, like I said, I was impressed that eight minutes after they opened, there was already a lineup. Imagine if they had ordered more of them, how many more they could have sold. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but to go back to Doug's text here. Uh, there is an information sheet that the Manitoba Museum provided regarding a number of ways to view the eclipse safely. Again, the eclipse glasses is probably the simplest and the cheapest way. They're only three bucks. But, they, but uh, Doug mentions would welder's shields work. Yeah, welder's mask. Uh, with a lens rating of 14 is safe for viewing the eclipse. Uh, they're saying do not use it if the lens is damaged, scratched, or if the shade is unknown. But yes, a welder's mask would be okay uh, so long as it is undamaged. So hopefully that answers your question, Doug. And again, Manitoba Museum has a lot of answers to these sorts of things. It is super important, though. I mean, you wouldn't normally look directly at the sun with your normal eyes because, again, that could that could actually damage your eyesight. Uh, but it is super important uh, especially during this eclipse when it will appear as if things have dimmed because uh, the sun will be partially hidden, mostly hidden actually, that can still damage your eyesight even if you look at it directly. So use some protection. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's a story here on our Newswire yesterday and that says, uh, is excitement 
about the solar eclipse on October, October, on August 21st heats up. Experts are urging people to take good care of their eyes when they enjoy the spectacle in Canadian skies. Ralph Chu at the University of Waterloo is an optometry professor and president of the Toronto Centre of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada. He says that staring at the sun for more than a few seconds will cause harm. He says the eye feels no pain, so it will be too late to look away from potential retina-burning solar rays before a person notices they've done potentially permanent damage. Regular sunglasses just won't cut it during the direct viewing for an eclipse because they allow in thousands of times more sunlight than is safe to reach your eyes. NASA says special solar eclipse glasses should be marked with the hang on, ISO 12312-2. Is that what we have here? I didn't uh, take a look inside, but uh, probably you could probably if you look inside, it's written in there somewhere. Uh, I'm not seeing it here, but I would imagine that, I mean, these, the, the, I was able to look at the sun, no problem with these. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Make sure there are no scratches on the lenses and uh, they'll only cost you a few bucks, but they are becoming harder to find. Of course, as we've pointed out, they are now sold out at the Manitoba Museum. And uh, this week, Amazon actually had to pull some potentially shady glasses from its site and issued refunds to customers who had already bought them. In an email to buyers, the company said it could not get confirmation from the suppliers that the glasses came from a recommended manufacturer. That's interesting. We, we actually, um, uh, it looks like there's a few people who uh, are calling in here, Brett. We did have David on the line. I think we may have lost him. So, David, oh. if you want to call back, 204-780-6868. We do have Shane on the line, though. Shane, you have a question. Uh, we'll yep. do our best to try and answer it. So, uh, what do you got? I was wondering now, uh, I live in the country and I have animals, horses and cows and stuff. Will that affect them in any way if they were to look at the sun? Oh, that's an excellent question. I wouldn't, I would, I, again, if it affects our human eyes, I would assume their eyes would be vulnerable to this too, uh, especially if they stare right at the sun. But having said that, I don't know if animals do that on a regular basis. But no, right, Shane, right. that's an excellent question. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, no worries. Appreciate it, Shane. And if you've got any questions, we can try to answer them at 204-780-6868. And I, you talked to some people today at the planetarium. so Yes, and we've been running those through our news run uh, as well with some of the clips, and we'll have more clips on Monday. And as a preview as well, I will be at the planetarium, uh, which they'll be hosting a viewing party starting at 1130, and it'll be over at about 2, where they will have, in the main plaza, they will have uh, members of the Manitoba Museum there, there will be uh, some explanation uh, of what's going on. It, it's going to be an event, and it sounds like it's going to be really nice, and I'll be broadcasting live there for some of that uh, period of time. Uh, and in case uh, anyone was wondering, the um, uh, the best time to see the solar eclipse, when we will see it at its most, so about 75% of the sun, I think it's about 75% of the sun, that uh, will be blocked out. 12.57 p.m. on Monday, but the eclipse will begin at 11.40 and end at about 2.15. But again, 12.57, so right towards the end of the noon hour, will be when the sun will be uh, the most covered. That's lucky for me, because I'll just have time to run outside and have a peek and then yeah. come back in while you're at the planetarium doing your thing, talking to people and uh, what have you. And we're going to hope to speak with Scott Young at for from Nebraska as well. And he'll give us his report. I'm curious to know how, because I know a lot of places are are charging uh, lots of money for hotels right now. I think uh, there's, I found one story here that says 
people who checked in when checking in for hotel rooms in Lincoln City, Oregon, uh, you can still find some room available if you're willing to pay nineteen hundred dollars a night. Oh wow! Yeesh. Uh I can, and I can only, especially if we use Nebraska as an example, because again, part of, I think it's Interstate 5 that goes uh, east to west uh, in Nebraska. A good chunk of that path of totality is going to follow right along that interstate. And there are tons of little towns and cities around there. So I could only imagine uh, how many of those hotels are full, how many people are going to be around there. Uh, we'll have to do a, a quick little check on that. But um, we have Melissa on the line here, Brett. Melissa is at 204-780-6868. Hi, Melissa. What do you have to ask us or say? Hi. Uh, I've been listening to your program talking about Eclipse glasses, and we were able to get some at the Mastermind Toys store on Keniston. They still had lots as of last night, and they are also $3 a pair. Oh, that's a great uh, call. Thank you for that. Uh, I know that there, I think there's a Mastermind Toys on Regent Avenue as well. I don't know if they're, oh yeah, it looks like they're open now. They just opened sort of at the the, the corner of Regent and Stapon. So hey, thanks for the tip. We appreciate that, Melissa. You're welcome. All right. Enjoy the eclipse in a safe fashion. Let's pause the conversation, have a peek at your forecast, and continue in a moment. It's Mackling and McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones. Tristan Field-Jones filling in for Greg Mackling and Brett McGarry here. And uh, I have to uh, make a correction right off the bat here, uh, Brett. Do not listen to what I said in the last segment about going to Interstate 5 because you will end up on the West Coast. Uh, Interstate 80 is the one that runs west and east uh, through Nebraska. I don't know why I said Interstate 5. I guess I thought I was right. But again, I haven't been (laughs) driving on the interstates very much. So again, do not go to Interstate 5 unless you want to, you know, visit uh, the West Coast of the U.S., Um, And in case uh, folks are wondering, uh, the Planetarium, as we mentioned before the break, they're hosting that free party out in the plaza. uh, uh, And again, there'll be plenty to do. They'll have telescopes set up. It's going to be a great event. We'll be broadcasting live, free uh, to attend. Anyone can show up, and it looks like it's going to be a great time. And um, I'm just looking at some of the maps here, Brett. I'm trying to find that simple map, that map that you, can you, okay. I'm just going to... Okay. I should have just copied it. Uh, But in case you're wondering, just as an idea here, there's this great site, uh, Eclipse2017.org, that we're both looking at. And the path of totality, they've got it zoomed in to where, and again, that's where the solar eclipse will be most visible. The path of totality will start just south of Portland, Oregon, uh, and then we'll kind of head through Wyoming, uh, just north of Cheyenne, uh, just south of Rapid City in South Dakota uh, there. And then through Nebraska, it's going to go kind of dive southeast. Uh, Lincoln's going to be in the path of that. And I know there's a bunch of little towns like Kearney, Nebraska is there too, just south of uh, Omaha. And then it's going to go through kind of the northern suburbs of Kansas City are going to see it. And then the southern part of St. Louis as well. So you can track that. Nash, most of Nashville, Tennessee will be in there. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina will also be in there. There's plenty, especially on the eastern portion of this, there's plenty of small cities or towns that are uh, going to be in this. And again, if you, uh, like I said, Nashville, Tennessee, St. Louis, Missouri, Kansas City, those are all pretty much within the path of totality. Salt Lake City isn't too, too far. Neither is Denver, might be a couple hours. Portland is just north of that. And again, in Vancouver, they'll get a pretty solid view of this eclipse. So yeah, there's, there's going to be millions and millions of people who are going to be within a short distance from this and here even in Winnipeg we'll get about 75% of it so it's it'll be cool to see he even even though we're not seeing the total eclipse 
And once again, uh, we just got a text here. Are Eclipse glasses similar to what is in a welding helmet? And we do have the info sheet from the Manitoba Museum that says a welder's mask, a welding mask with a lens rating of 14 is safe for viewing the Eclipse. Do not use a welder's mask if the lens is damaged, scratched, or if the shade rating is unknown. Also, a telescope or binoculars. If you already own a telescope, you can buy a solar filter that fits over the front end of your telescope to allow for safe viewing. And you can also use indirect projection to safely view the sun. And uh, if you go to Manitoba Museum, there is more information on that. Just go to their website, manitobamuseum.ca. I do recall yesterday seeing, I think there was a text message that came in that said something along the lines of, I'm just going to use my Ray-Bans because that's okay. No. I think the the thing is you as uh, we pointed out earlier you can I mean you you can look at the sun if you want but you you're going to cause some damage to your eyes. I, I mean I know that the odd time that I happen to look up at the sun um even just for more than a second you get that kind of ouch. Yeah. You have to look away and then you can you're you get the colors sort of in right. your eyes as you're trying to regain your normal sense of sight and uh, it it's very quick. So if you want to take the chance, I mean, who are we to stop you? But we recommend that you don't, and yeah. we would like that you don't. Well, and, and if for those of you who are thinking uh, maybe you'll take a, a drive to see, a quick drive to go see the path of totality, uh, just input it into Google Maps here. I think the quickest way to get there, the fastest uh, or the, the shortest location would be to get to Lincoln, Nebraska from Winnipeg. I think that's your best bet. Um, maybe there might be other areas along there that might be easier to get to, but in terms of using the highways and the interstate system uh, to get to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is within the path of totality, uh, it's still doable, but it's tough. It's a 10-hour drive, roughly, from Winnipeg, um, or you could take a flight that might last about uh, three hours, whatever you prefer. Um, but again, if you do want to see the path of totality, your best bet is probably to get head to Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska is within the path of totality. And um, I mean, if you have a few days off, that's a 10-hour drive. So uh, good luck with that. And if you do, take pictures. And a good website is Eclipse2017.org. Eclipse2017.org. There's all sorts of information on there, uh, all kinds of maps, including an interactive Google map. So that's pretty neat stuff. A lot of a lot of people have booked vacations around this. Hotel rooms have been booked for weeks, for months. Mm-hmm. And as we just mentioned, there's there are some places in Lincoln, Oregon, that are charging 1,900 bucks for rooms that are still open. Supply and demand. So yeah, that sounds cool though. Yeah. You're going to have fun out at the planetarium. I absolutely will have fun, yes. I'm going to be jealous. Okay. Not much I can do about that. but Coming up to 2 o'clock on 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones. And our, our next guest, we're going to bring her on in just a moment. We're having some technical difficulties with our phone. So, Laura Plant, please stand by. She is with RBC, Director of Student Banking. And we're going to have a discussion with her in a moment. But while we await, while we wait to try to figure out those technical difficulties, uh, Tristan, we have an update on the uh, Eclipse glasses situation, I believe. So, uh, you know how we were mentioning uh, there was that store on Keniston, uh, Mastermind? Uh, I believe that was the one we were talking about anyway. Well, um, they're sold out. Mm-hmm. Sold out of glasses. Mastermind is also available on Regent. So I would assume that that pertains to both Mastermind locations. But it looks like, yeah, if you want to get yourself a 
your a pair of these eclipse glasses and it's going to be difficult to do at this point uh, but we do appreciate all the feedback and uh, the the tips as well Lou had a text or emailed us about an hour ago saying that the Manitoba Museum was out of these eclipse glasses so Hey, yeah. this is uh, all fairly cool. I just put up a goofy picture. You can follow me on the Instagram, by the way. It's just at Brett McGarry. Brett enjoys putting up goofy pictures. Yeah, and I just put one up uh, of me wearing the Eclipse glasses. Like, oh, it actually says right on the shades, Eclipse shades. So that's cool. <laughs> uh, Brett McGarry taking pictures. I noticed that when I was reading my news. I noticed Brett had the glasses on and was trying to find the best pose. And Well, I, I was trying to find the button. I can't, I couldn't, you know, because I can't see. You got the shades on. Right, okay. You can't see, so. <laughs> that explains a whole lot. I, you know, I would be really curious to see. We know that Manitoba Museum, so they had 10,000 pairs. Yep. So they've sold 10,000 pairs. I can only imagine how many pairs were at uh, Mastermind uh, on Keniston and on Regent. How many other pairs in the city are being sold? Like, we're talking tens of thousands of people on Monday going out to see this eclipse. Yeah. No, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an event, it looks like, for a lot of people. So are we good to go here, Savannah, do you think? We think so. We think so? Okay. So we are going to switch gears and welcome our next guest, who is Laura Plant, Director of Student Banking with RBC. We're just going to roll the dice here with some live radio. Laura, can you hear everything okay now? I can hear everything just fine. Okay, very good. Perfect. Some t- I'm just going to take our listeners behind the curtain here for a second. Sometimes <laughs> we have we have these digital phones, and sometimes they create echoes, and we don't know sometimes how to fix them. So <laughs> we brought we got an engineer in who did know how to fix it, and he says, "Try it. It should be good to go, and uh, all is well." Yeah, usually yep. using a hammer or lighting them on fire is discouraged. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it doesn't work. That I've tried it, and it. Uh, it just said, you know, they take money off your paycheck for that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, I wonder why. Uh, so it's probably good that we have somebody here who can talk finances with us. Her name, yes. again, Laura Plant with RBC, Director of Student Banking. The headline is, Having Financial Skin in the Game Gives Post-Secondary Students a Confidence Boost. But lessons continue beyond graduation day. This is the result of a poll that you folks at RBC conducted. So why don't we start with what exactly does it mean to have financial skin in the game? Yes, well, you know, post-secondary years are, are a really exciting time. I'm sure we can all think back to those that time in our life, and young people are facing a lot of big life transitions and making independent decisions, particularly about their finances. And so when we say having a little bit of financial skin in the game, what we mean here is that in our study, we actually saw an interesting difference in the degree of confidence in making those financial decisions, depending on how much financial support they were receiving from their parents. And uh, the difference is really exactly existed between uh, the two two groups primarily. So students whose parents were uh, contributing less than 25%, and in fact, 64% of students fell into this category. They were funding uh, part or all of their education themselves. And those students, in fact, felt a bit more confidence in terms of their financial decision-making and their ability to stick to a budget. So whereas those who were less, uh, who were receiving more funding from their parents, 25% or more, so a little bit less skin in the game, uh, were less confident in terms of their ability to make financial decisions and stick to a budget. So uh, I guess, uh, Laura, when we look at uh, these uh, statistics that were uh, uh, measured here, 
would this potentially be uh, one reason why maybe having free university or at least part of it being free from a financial perspective anyway may not be the best idea in terms of uh, helping students plan their money because yes on one perspective universities cost a ton of money to go to but on the flip side that makes you appreciate the amount of money you have to sink into your own education well certainly we would we would assume that for those who are uh, finding their own sources of income and funding for the university, they may have a bit of a higher attention in terms of how much is coming in each month, how much they can afford and their expenses, and a little bit more accountable in that regard but regardless of of the funding sources, so for parents uh, who are able to fund their child's entire education, that is a wonderful gift and if that is possible that's wonderful. really what the point here is is that it's very important for young people to have an understanding of of, of where their sources of funding are coming from and to know about that before they head into post-secondary years and before they pursue that education so that they can plan for that effectively and really know how much is coming in each month and what their expenses look like so that they can make ends meet. So the second part of the headline here is, but lessons continue beyond graduation day. So what does that mean? Well, really, you know, this is really about fundamentals, and it's a critical point in a young person's life where they're gaining more independence, making more independent financial decisions, and really learning the fundamentals of money management. And so it's really things like having a budget in place where they can understand their expenses. And one of the interesting pieces that we saw in our study was that, um, you know, those those budgets differed a little bit depending on whether students were receiving funding from their parents uh, or those who were receiving less funding from their parents. So, for example... After groceries, food, alcohol, and eating out, those were both top categories for expenses. Uh, those whose parents were contributing a little bit less, you know, less than 25%, they had gas, uh, cell phone data, and utilities at the top of their list. And those who were contributing uh, more than 25%, whose parents were funding more than that, they had social outings, clothes, and cell phone data at the top of their list. And I think this is really just a reflection of really, uh, depending on their financial situation, depending on the sources of income, your expenses may differ, your priorities may differ. But what's really critical is having a budget and a plan, and that that needs to go beyond graduation. It really sets you up for life. It is a life skill. What I also found interesting, and we talk about after uh, graduation, uh, is that the students who received more money from their parents to help get them through university also had higher expectations for support after university. Yes, that was very interesting. We found that, in fact, uh, 21% of students that were getting more financial support from their, uh, for their parents that were expecting help after graduation versus 11%. And so that is a big difference, and that really speaks to the importance of setting those expectations. If you're a parent, you want to make sure that uh, you are talking to your child, whether you're funding their entire or part of their education, helping them understand after graduation what the terms of that looks like. You know, I, I don't think anybody wants their kid on the bank of mom and dad forever and and nor do the kids want that so it's really important to have those conversations and discuss the terms of that funding when it's going to end what the expectations are laura plant is our guest she is director of student banking with rbc we're talking about a poll that rbc has conducted that shows that having financial skin in the game gives post-secondary students a confidence boost but the lessons do continue beyond graduation day what are some tips for parents uh, regarding what they should contribute to their stu- their their child's education 
Well, really, that is a personal decision, and that that depends on what the financial means are of every individual parent as they look at their own finances. But but for parents to know that really it's important to have the talk and to start that early with their child. So in high school, it's really important if if you've got a child who's pursuing college or university to begin talking about where they want to go. Do they want to live away? If so, where, which city do they want to live in? Which program are they studying? All of these have different impact on their costs, costs of living, costs of tuition, costs of things like books and cell phones. We know that many young people from a study we did last year, in fact, many young people are heading into university and they are not uh, anticipating, they're surprised by unanticipated costs of post-secondary education. So it's an opportunity for parents to open up that dialogue earlier and to talk to them about how much they're funding, what they expect to be supporting uh, their child with, and to talk to them about the real costs of an education. And that's one of the things that surprised me in my first year university uh, was, as you mentioned, the, the one of the surprise costs was books. First year, uh, I, I, not even first year, first semester, I should say, I spent over 720 bucks. I think it was 725 exactly in books. And that was yeah. way more than I ever expected. I expected it to be maybe a couple hundred bucks, but not 725. So, yeah. so and certainly it's it, just doing that on its own can be getting the supplies uh, and it's even more so if you're in you know, maybe a science course that requires lab materials. Yeah, it depends on the program of study, absolutely. And so it's very, very important to really outline those line items and have at least a sense for it because success with your money really comes from planning and being aware of what's ahead and and being able to make decisions and trade-offs. You know, another tip we would say to parents is to start saving early. So if you're planning on contributing to your child's education, one really fantastic way to do that is by opening up a registered education savings plan. You know, those are very, you know, effective ways to save um, every year uh, leading up to your, your child pursuing their post-secondary education. What about tips for students? I understand one of them involves not leaving free money on the table. What's that mean? Well, you know, actually, it's interesting. Not all scholarships, um, millions of dollars, in fact, uh, go unclaimed every year. And I think that a lot of young people have the perception that scholarships are based on, on strong academics, and that's not the case. So there are lots of opportunities to fund their education through scholarships, grants, and bursaries. Look for ones that might align, for instance, to their civic engagement, their leadership skills, or their heritage. And there are websites online such as scholarshipscanada.com and studentawards.com that can help them identify those places to find that extra money. And another another way that uh, young people uh, think that they should think about is if they have a gap there and, and they're coming up a little bit short on their funding, do they have the ability or the means to have a part-time job during their studies? That can be an excellent source of financing for their education and giving them a little bit of more money towards things they want to do, like going out and social, which is a really important part of the whole experience, as we all remember. And one of the things as well, and I hearken back to my university experience, Laura, is that I can think of uh, even some of the academic performance scholarships. I happen to have a a finished uh, high school with some excellent grades, so that gave me a pretty decent scholarship. But even people who, uh, you know, most people would have assumed this might be an A+, no, there are even scholarships available uh, for um, some of them close to 1,000 from what I can recall, even if your average was in the 70s. So you don't have to be that top student to benefit from this. No, you don't. And the key is to seek it out, look for it, do your research, talk to people, get advice from experts, um, and really look for all of those ways that you can boost your budget with that sort of, as we say, that free money, that, and don't leave that on the table.
All right, Laura Plant, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us today. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Laura Plant is the Director of Student Banking with RBC. So we turn now to you at 204-780-6868. After what you've heard here, again, the poll headline is Having Financial Skin in the Game Gives Post-Secondary Students a Confidence Boost. So the, the simple graph here is students whose parents contribute less than 25% towards their education are more confident in their financial decision-making. That, I think, might go against what a lot of people think. You know, lots of parents save for their kids so that they don't have to pay for their university. So we're wondering, what do you think you should be doing? Are you saving for your kid's education, or do you want your kids to save for their own education? 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Were you surprised by the, the findings of this poll that students who end up having to pay for more of their own education end up more confident with their financial decision-making? 204-780-6868 is the number to call. You can also text us at that number. Email brett at cjob.com, tristan at cjob.com. And again, when you look at the expenses that the uh, students talk about, uh, it says when it comes to spending, expenses and priorities differ depending on who is covering the cost of the classroom. After groceries, food, alcohol, and eating out, students whose ch- parents chip in less than 25% cite gas and parking. And then utilities as the biggest line items in their budget, whereas the ones who ha- get more of a financial contribution, their priorities are more towards social outings and entertainment, clothing and shoes, so disposable sort of items. Mm-hmm. 204-780-6868. Should you pay for your kid's education? We want to know what you think. We'll do your forecast next. Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones. During the commercials, I called Mastermind Toys on Regent Avenue, and they have five pairs left of the Eclipse glasses. Those are going to be gone. Now that you've mentioned that, those are going to be gone in minutes. We th- This Eclipse really has people talking. We got a, uh, another question here. And again, just for those of you who are wondering, on Monday, the best time to see the Eclipse when we'll have about 75% coverage, if you will, will be at approximately 12.57 p.m. And many people are asking, is a welder's mask acceptable uh, and a welding mask with a lens rating of 14 is safe for viewing the Eclipse? Again, it has to have a lens rating of 14 um, if uh, the lens is damaged, scratched. Uh, or if you don't know the shade rating, then do not use it. But again, a, le- a welding lens with a rating of 14 is acceptable. And of course, it's Eclipse glasses, but the Manitoba Museum is sold out of them. Sounds like Mastermind Toys is going to be so- sold out of them. The one in Keniston already is sold out. The one on Region has five pairs left. If you know of any other places in the city that have been selling these things, let us know. Shoot us a text at 204-780-6868. And this is Thursday. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's remarkable because just think of the last-minute traffic that is still left to go out there. And we're talking tens of thousands of people who've already bought these things. <laughs> I mean, there's still Friday, Saturday, Sunday to go, and even part of Monday. So uh, who knows how many people will be out there. This, this will be a big event for sure. Whoever makes these things is probably going to make enough money to retire based on one single event. Oh, there's a website here, rainbowsymphony.com. That's where these shades come from. It says on the Manitoba Museum, rainbowsymphony.com. You can email eclipse at rainbowsymphony.com. Just got a text message here on the subject that we were just discussing. 
about funding your child's post-secondary education, where the poll from RBC reveals that students who had to pay more, had to make a larger financial contribution to their education, feel more confident in their financial decisions. And we were wondering what you thought about that. And we got a text here at 204-780-6868 that says, we started contributing when they were babies, $100 each per month. As someone who fully funded my own education, it was a stress. I don't want my kids to fully carry. I expect them to pay for their own personal expenses, but tuition and books I hope to fully pay for. If you're putting away $100 each per month, uh, I would suspect that you're <laughs> that you're going to be doing okay. Yeah. That is, let's, when, 18 is about when they start. Okay, let's just do some quick math. 1200 bucks times 18 years. That's $21,600. Yeah, you'll be pretty good uh, to cover most of the things in university anyway. Um, and Unless yeah. you want them to go to, hang on, I'm just going to look up most expensive universities. In, oh, let's see, in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. let's give me one. It's just taking a second. I have seen is oh, uh, there are some schools that are fifty thousand dollars a year, sixty thousand. University of Chicago, for example, fifty-seven thousand seven hundred and eleven dollars. Uh, Sarah Lawrence College, $61,000 per year. Wow. That's for also for room and board. Oh, okay. What? Well, still, though, that's... No, that, I don't... I, I'm trying to think. I think my entire university education cost about twenty five grand for me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're doing all right. Uh, so thank you for that text, and we will continue to talk... Oh, we're going to switch gears, actually, at 2.30 with Carolyn Clausen. She's going to help us wade through the post-vacation blues. That's after Global News at 2.30 with Tristan Field-Jones. Thursday, 2.33, it means it's time for our weekly visit with Carolyn Clausen, who is a therapist with Connexus Counseling, the website, connexuscounseling.ca. Carolyn, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Do you have your Eclipse shades? Oh, they're all sold out. I'm not going to be able to get any, I hear. No. No, it's uh, they sold out. They had 10,000 pairs at the planetarium. They sold out uh, earlier this afternoon. Mastermind Toys is pretty much gone. You might have some luck finding something at an, at an optometrist, but oof, it's, yeah, they're, they're going to be valuable for the next few days. Somebody uh, made a suggestion here. Jacob T. said, wouldn't welding supply stores carry lenses? They are replaceable for welding masks. That's a good question. I wouldn't be able to answer that. But uh, once again, if you are using a welding shield, make sure it's a 14 or better. So uh, I went on, as you know, I was on vacation last week, played lots and lots of golf at Kingswood and then Oak Island Resort. And uh, this past weekend in particular was the 19th annual Laker Classic, Carolyn. Whoa. It's a tradition. It's a golf or it's a tradition steeped in uh, history and... uh, (laughs) It, it's basically, it, it was designed as let's go to the, when it first started, my understanding is let's go to the cabin, we'll get drunk, and we'll play some golf. And that's, it just sort of evolved from there. Now it's more about the golf, but it is still a golfing and drinking extravaganza. As we get older, that the second part of that is becoming a lot harder. <laughs> um, but when I when it was finished, you know, 11 of us went out there and we were all excited to be out there and super happy. And then when it was done and I was driving home, I dropped my buddy off and I was driving home and uh, I was sad. And uh, it's not the first time that this has happened after a vacation. And I thought, is the, you know, 
is just post-vacation blues or is there something more to it? So I thought I'd ask you about it. So what is you? what comes to mind for you regarding post-vacation blues? Well, maybe before I go into that, I'd be interested if, if you could, could you put a handle on this sadness? Like, could you connect with what that was about? I don't know. And that's why I'm wondering how much of that had to do with the fact that alcohol is a de- depressant. I don't know if it was just simply that it was the, the final week of my vacation. You know, I had three weeks of vacation throughout the summer and the lake, the end of the lake represented what pretty much the end of the line for my vacation okay. for the summer. At least I have one more week in December. Uh, could just be that I was with 11, 10 of my friends for a few days and now I was going back home alone. So it could be a number of things all sort of adding up there. Well, you've identified a lot of the factors that go into, you know, post-vacation blues. And if you look it up online, it's like they talk about PVB, post-vacation blues, like it's an initial, an acronym that everybody knows. Um, I think what you were recognizing, like the 19th annual what do you call it? Lakewood Classic? Laker Classic. Laker Classic. That's awesome, right? And it's it's something actually that sounds kind of beautiful that you mark time and you, you mark that's part of the rhythm of your year is knowing that this is something that that happens and it's something that you look forward to and you can you you can look forward to it for months because you can reliably know that it's going to happen and you're going to be spending time with those friends doing things that you like to do. And so I think when it's over, I think there's an element of grief, you know, something that you've been anticipating and hoping for. Now it has happened and you don't get to look forward to it. Um, you don't get that sort of gift of knowing this cool thing is going to happen because it's in the rearview mirror now. How do you uh, appropriately manage that? Because I can, I had two weeks off in the middle of summer too, and I took several kind of uh, Mondays off to get a long weekend. Mm-hmm. But after my two weeks, I figured, well, that's the bulk of it. I've got one more long weekend coming up, but that's really about it. So how do you manage that uh, when you return to work? Because it can be tough getting motivated. Absolutely. I think there's a couple of things that people can do. One is that they can um, be mindful of the because the, the flip side of being sad um, because you are grieving that your vacation is over. The flip side of that is I'm I really enjoyed it and I'm sad that it's over. But it, while I had it, it was cool, right? Like and so there's when, whenever we grieve something, we grieve because it mattered because it was something good in our lives that we've lost. And sometimes people forget when they're grieving things like vacation being over. That the flip side is is that you really had a good time being off. Um, and so. In terms of managing it, it's it's honoring that it is grief. Grief is normal. Grief isn't fun, but it means that you were spending time doing something that was good. Um, I think sometimes it's helpful to think about, so what was so good about being off? What did I enjoy? And seeing if you can capture some of those things during the year. Uh, when I was at a cabin recently, I realized one of the things I really enjoyed about being at the cabin was there was so little to look after. There wasn't a lot of chores. It, there wasn't a lot of stuff lying around. There wasn't a lot of stuff to... to it was very simple. And I'm like, why do I make my life so complicated in the city if when on vacation I go away and what I want to do is live a very simple life? Maybe I could simplify it here. And so I had a chance to check out what I enjoyed on vacation and then see if I could replicate some of that in my life back in the city. How did you do? How did you fare with that? I got rid of some boxes for sure. And, And it's something that, you know, I think is to keep in mind. I enjoy the chance to to do more reading and to have some more quiet time. Well, can I build that into my life here? Why would I make myself so busy in the city if I'm looking forward to certain behaviors on vacation that I don't make possible in the city? Maybe I can bottle that and keep doing some more of that when I'm not on vacation. Well, we're, do we do we have a, a habit of 
of forgetting that kind of thing as we move along. When you go a few weeks, a few months with no vacation, you kind of get into this routine and and you just might maybe get stuck in a routine. And then you go on vacation and you remember, oh, yeah, this is why I work so hard. Right? I think... It's vacation is great because it's a disruption from regular routine. It's a step away and it's often a chance to get some perspective, to spend time with people you love, which ironically, actually, we often get calls from people after vacation for counseling because when they spend more time with people they love out of routine, they realize that those relationships have been neglected more than they thought they were. Um, But when people are on vacation, they get that perspective. They get time away. They get a chance to reevaluate. Am I living my life in alignment with my values? Um, and vacation is a time when people deliberately choose to align their behavior with their values. If they like new experiences, if they like to travel, if you know, what do you like? To, what's important for you to do? I will do that on my vacation. And then we have a chance to realize, oh, maybe I've gotten sort of mindless and have just fallen into ruts where I'm living my everyday life based on what other people expect of me rather than what I choose. So let's say you uh, it's after your extended vacation or mm-hmm. whatever, maybe even a week off, uh, and, uh, you know, you come into work and you're still in vacation mode. You know, you don't know exactly what's going on, and 19 minutes into your shift, you're complaining about it. Uh, and this is definitely a hypothetical scenario, not something no, that no, happened to you. No, not at all something realistic. No, definitely no not. this didn't happen so, yesterday at all. Uh, <laughs> so I have two questions. Number one, is that hypothetical person a crybaby? And number two... Uh, and the more serious question is, um, how do you get back into that routine? How do you pick yourself up, uh, pick yourself off the floor, and say, "All right, let's let's get to it." Well, there's a couple of things, and I think it starts from even before you go on vacation to know that post-vacation blues, Brett, if you know that this is a pattern of yours that you anticipated and you plan for it. So if you know that um, you're likely to be sad after that weekend, how before you go can you plan in dinner with friends or a fun evening out so that you have something to look forward to and something to sort of help make the transition back to city life and work life a little bit easier because you have something that's that's kind of cool that you've got planned so that there is something to hope and anticipate for. If you do that before vacation, another thing that people can do is cut. often we enjoy vacation so much that we sort of screech into the city at 2 a.m. on the last day of our vacation and then we start work running exhausted because vacations, as fun as they are, often aren't restful, um, sometimes because people are hungover. Uh, and... <laughs> Sometimes just because, you know, if you're traveling with small children and you're out of routine, vacations are not a rest. They're a change, but you're working just as hard or harder on vacation when um, at certain stages of life to recognize that you might need to come home a day early to give yourself time to transition in, to get unpacked, to get settled so that you feel like you can start your work from a position of strength. There actually was a moment the first night where, you know, we had already played our round and we'd already eaten dinner and had a couple of drinks and I just... I needed a minute to just kind of decompress. So I went into our, my cabin and while the guys were outside, and I just sat down and was reading a book. Uh-huh. And one guy comes in and says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm reading. Why? <laughs> and then someone else came in and did the same thing. What are you doing? So I kind of just I left the book alone because it is, it, it, it's a fun weekend, but it is kind of an exhausting weekend. And I ended up, I, I, I took, uh, made sure to take a, a day off. I took, yeah, or Tuesday off. Okay. Where I did, it was a day for me to just sleep, do nothing, and uh, thank God I did. Okay, so you built on a recovery day. Yeah. Because you need recovery from that weekend. Yeah. Okay, it's because it's really intense in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, five rounds of golf in four days. 
like I said, we uh, we're 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 scaling back on the on the 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 stuff that we consume out there. But uh, you know, it's it's a bunch of guys hanging out at the cabin, so naturally we're gonna crack a few beers. But it's it's so it's a lot harder. of fun, but it sounds exhausting. It is, yeah. Okay, it's exhausting. So should what is that something that uh, that people in general should be doing? Is try to plan at, at least a, a day of recovery from any sort of vacation? I think it's a good idea. Um, I, I think it you just, you need to plan that if you know your plane lands the evening before you're back at work. It's going to be re-entry back into life and into work is going to be hard. And some of us, you know, that have inboxes, um, we have, you know, hundreds of emails waiting for us on our return from a vacation. Do you plan, how do you plan to build in, you know, your re-entry in terms of meetings and emails and how can you make that least worse by planning for that deliberately so that you um, are able to re-enter in a way that's less stressful? One of the things that I did for many years when my children were small was, um, you know, you'd plan the budget around the vacation, but we always budgeted for to being able to order pizza in or something really easy on the day we got back that we didn't have to go back to um, figuring out groceries and making supper, that we could have one last relaxing time um, at home because we didn't have to cook that first day back. And that 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 was one small little thing that we could do to make re-entry a little bit easier for us. Yeah, and that's something that I did uh, this year and I, I've been doing for the last few years too is... Um, and I've encouraged, I've even encouraged some of my colleagues to do this is number one, take two weeks off in a row if you can. Um, because I mean, I've had the week off and that, that can be very nice, but it's just two weeks for me is that is a proper amount of time to rest and recharge and to get back out there. And you know, what I'll do is I'll try and plan these two weeks, make them the two weeks before, let's say the August long weekend. Okay. So not only do I have two weeks, I have two weeks and, and a little extra okay. of time off. So that's not, you know, f- you know, 14 days off in a row. It's actually 17 or 18 days yeah. off in a row. Um, and what's interesting is that uh, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Jeff Braun, who, uh, our morning newscaster, he uh, took two weeks off. I don't know if it was this year or last year, the first time he did it in a while. And he said it was absolutely totally worth it because he'd only taken one week off at a time before. Well, and often on vacation, it takes a few days to wind down. And then the last couple of days of vacation, you're starting to wind up. So if you're really wanting to be in vacation mode, two weeks is a really good time to sort of spend some. You can really check out and really sort of take a break from work um, in a way that sometimes one week almost isn't long enough to let you do that. Carolyn Clausen is our guest. She is a therapist with Connexus Counseling. Her website is connexuscounseling.ca. We're talking about the post-vacation blues because I was experiencing that today, or not just, no, or, sorry, earlier this week. Today I'm okay uh, because Tristan's just such a pleasant person to work with. But, um, you know, there are probably a lot of people who are either going through this right now or will be going through this as we approach the end of August and approach effectively the end of summer. Got to get back to life, back to reality, to quote the Soul to Soul song from 1990. Remember that song, Carolyn? Sure. (laughs) Probably would if you heard it. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to sing it for you. Don't worry. Uh, We'll have a look at your forecast and continue the conversation up next. It's Tristan Field-Jones here in for Greg Mackling with along with Brett McGarry. And Carolyn Clausen joins us as per usual during our 2-3 segment or half hour on Thursdays. Uh, Just before we get to anything here, uh, one of uh, of my listeners, uh, one of our listeners, I should say, says, do your bath if you add the long weekend. I think it's do your math. But I prefer doing a bath. I could probably use one. Uh, If you add the long weekend, it's 15 days, not your math of 17. 
Well, unfortunately, if I may go into my technical uh, nerdy details here, if you count uh, the weekend before uh, before that too, so if you look at taking two weeks off before a long weekend, uh, and if you include the weekends as well that aren't part of your vacation days, that is 17 days off in a row. <laughs> so just wanted to, to put that out there in case it wasn't clear, because it is entirely possible that I wasn't clear when it comes to that. Carolyn, I did have a question for you, though, uh, yes. w- when it comes to doing this. Tristan just wanted to puff his chest there for a second. I don't want to puff my chest. I just want to make sure I was clear because I'm not good with maths. Anyway. Okay. Uh, I, uh, or baths. Yeah, exactly. Or baths for that matter. But uh, when it comes to uh, – is would that be would that be something you might recommend is even if you're only taking a week but try and take it before a long weekend because what I noticed, and this was last week when I was returning to work, working just the four days in a row – really helped me get back into it because mm. it was a shorter week and that means I could get more into the groove of things, uh, especially after taking having 17 days off in a row. Well, what I noticed, Tristan, is, is that is a great strategy for Tristan. And so Tristan should do that. Uh, and I think it's helpful for listeners to hear that and to think that if I tried that on, would that work for me? Let me give it a go. Because mm-hmm. I think people have to figure out what strategy works for them. And I think that sort of that reentry where you only have four days back the first week, um, that's really attractive, right? For some people, that would really make a big difference and that that would be good. Um, I think a lot of people, it depends what kind of vacation you've gone for. If you've gone for a restful, you know, relaxing at Grand Beach kind of vacation, um, it may not be it's easier to re-enter than if you've flown five or six time zones um, and get back on a flight the night before. Um, those vacations, they are awesome and exciting, but they're not necessarily restful. And so you really have to think about how am I going to time what the vac- what kind of vacation have I chosen, and how am I going to time what what kind of timing do I need to return to work given the kind of vacation I'm choosing. On the subject of post-vacation blues, if somebody is going on a getting ready for a summer vacation and they come back and they're not just kind of sad that it's over. Uh, you talked about the grief that one might experience, but there, there's a genuine extended period of misery where it's just, ugh, oh, this is, I hate this. I wish I was back on vacation. Is that maybe a situation where that person should kind of look at their life and and I'm not using myself as an example. I'm looking at this. I mean, I've got, I pulled out, a, I printed a list, how to overcome the post-vacation blues. And one of them is reassess your life. Is that something that maybe people should should take into consideration if they come back and they're really grumpy? <laughs> Absolutely. I think vacation is a great chance to see when you when you take a break and you say, oh, this is how I feel when I'm not plugged into doing things, a certain pattern, right, in terms of getting sucked into dynamics at work or getting sucked into a certain kind of work or meeting the demands of family in a way that feels unrealistic. And you have a chance to take a break from that and you realize how life-sucking that is and how draining it is that as you re-enter your regular life, you have a chance to be mindful and say, I didn't realize what the effect of that was. Um, and I'm going to be awake in my life and realize um, how much better my life can be when I make different choices. And so I think it can be helpful, really helpful to use vacation as a time of evaluation of what's working in my life, what isn't, how do I want to be different when I go um, back to my regular life. Um, I think it's really helpful to not avoid those those feelings of post-vacation blues um, and to open up our eyes to what we need to change so that we don't sleep through our lives doing unimportant things. We just got a text here, Carolyn, that I think speaks to another issue, too. And it's a much more kind of, uh, I think, simple, practical issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, and I think we touched on this maybe last week when it came to reminders. Someone says here, my summer holidays finally start tomorrow at 430, off for three weeks and returning on Tuesday the 12th. I hope I don't forget my login password. (laughs) 
<laughs> Speaking of getting back into the routine, how can you, those, I mean, we talk about the big sort of getting, uh, uh, being emotionally prepared for it, but those tiny little things can also put a little dent in your day too. It's true, right? I know I often forget my, my work keys on my first day back after vacation because I forget that that's something I do Monday morning is pull out my work keys from my closet. Um, we forget those sorts of routines. I always think that's something that's really awesome. Like write down your login password, make sure you don't forget it. But I would hope that that person would have such a good break away from work that after three weeks, they can't remember their password. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and one final question here. Is it wise then to maybe start planning your next vacation as soon as you can? Yes, because I think um, vacations are, it's a part of the rhythm of our lives, it's something that we can look forward to, a break, and I think it's really important to balance work and rest. Vacation is a chance for a change of scenery, for a break, and um, because there are something that we anticipate and something that we can give us hope during a rough patch at work, I think it's a good idea to know, so when am I going to go away next? What am I going to do? How am I going to time it? Um, and to start looking at the deals online and to dream and plan because um, dreaming and planning is what makes part of what makes life worth living. Carolyn Glasson well said she is a therapist with Connexus Counseling. Her website, connexuscounseling.ca. She visits us most Thursday, Thursdays at 2, uh, 2.30, not next Thursday because she'll be on vacation. vacation. <laughs> All right, Carolyn. Don't, don't forget about us after your vacation, though. I'll be back. Okay. Enjoy your time off, Carolyn. Global News at 3 o'clock is up next. You having problems there, Tristan? No. I'm... Is your keyboard not working? You know, it's... There we go. <laughs> okay. My you just had to hit it harder. computer here just decides that... Uh, what, ha what happens is, of course, right before we go to air, we have computer monitors. Mine decides to take a nap, and I'm smashing the keyboard, and oh. it's not, you know... Well, that's what I like to do when things don't work. I just... Brett smash. Hit it. Right. And okay. you know what? Last night... Oh, my God. Last night and today, Brett wants to smash. I am upset today because last night I inadvertently stumbled upon a major gigantic momentous spoiler which I will not reveal for this week's episode of Game of Thrones so this has to do with the latest episode getting leaked this upcoming Sunday's episode the sixth episode of season seven it was leaked and Global News senior online entertainment reporter Chris Jenselowitz has actually put together a nice summary of all the problems HBO is having of late. They've been dealing with all sorts of hack attacks and stuff. Episode 4 of this season was leaked, for example. Now episode 6 has been leaked. So let's bring Chris in here. He joins us from Toronto. So I'm flipping through my, my YouTube homepage last night on my phone. Uh, I watch a lot of Game of Thrones related videos, so the YouTube algorithm gives me a bunch more to look at all the time. And one of them ends up having a, a not just a bit of a spoiler, but a direct spoiler right in the title of the video for the upcoming episode. Without giving it away, of course, I'm not going to reveal the spoiler. Please don't. But uh, the title of this video reveals a detail that more or less spells out how the whole episode is going to go. So the whole episode is already ruined for me. I'm imagining with this episode being leaked that this frustration is not... I'm not alone in this frustration. Well, what's hilarious about your story, and also sad about your story, <laughs> is that this actually happened to someone else uh, in the Global News Toronto office this morning. Uh, the exact same story, they went on YouTube yesterday, and it was on their homepage. It was, I guess, curated, since you look it up, right? Correct? You look up Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just 
you know, the skies was destroyed. <laughs> he was destroyed because the, the the headline, yes, did did reveal what happens in the episode. And, uh, you know, it's so unfair to people because especially with the show, you know, we try so hard uh, to not find out what happens. And then, you know, something like this happens where uh, hackers leak the episodes and it spreads everywhere from YouTube to Reddit to, you know, you name it. It is everywhere. But in this case, this particular episode, this this week, wasn't was this uh, hackers or was this HBO's fault? Yeah, this actually this is the second time uh, an HBO affiliate or an arm uh, in another country has re- accidentally released an entire episode, and this one in particular was um, released by its I think it was its on-demand subscribers in Spanish and Nordic countries. Okay, it was live for an hour. Uh, and then when they realized their mistake, they ripped it down immediately. So you had to have been in their on-demand section to see, but they posted the wrong episode. Um, and then, of course, people got a hold of it and then spread it out across the internet. I think most of them probably would be down now, but the unfortunate thing is it'll live on in torrent uh, torrent streams. It can be downloaded at any time, I'm sure. Is it possible that HBO did this on purpose, because the last time an episode got leaked, I think it was episode four, mm-hmm. it ended up working in the show's favor, giving them record ratings. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I will never be able to tell. I don't really know what HBO is thinking at this point uh, with this hack going on daily. Like there's new stuff every day. Um, I would be suspicious of that. I don't I don't see them doing it on purpose. At this point, it's getting very embarrassing, though, I have to say. What else is happening to HBO? Because they are targeting, they are the target of multiple hacks, as you've pointed out. Yeah, I just feel like uh, someone's got something out for this network, and I don't know exactly why. It could be because they're producing such great TV. I'm not sure. The Game of Thrones fandom is so huge. Uh, and I think <clears throat> by hackers taking on HBO, it's like taking on the king, right? It's like almost its own Game of Thrones in a weird way. Um but, you know, it'll it'll attack something like HBO, something like Game of Thrones, something beloved across the world. And uh, it just uh, kind of speaks to their credibility and their ability by being able to cripple the network. Is Game of Thrones one of the few shows out there that can attract such massive interest? I, I mean, I can think of a few friends of mine who actually torrented uh, early episodes of the show and they got so into it that they ended up getting a subscription to HBO so they could see it, you know, with the rest of everyone else and, you know, tweet about it and share it on social media and whatever it may be. But I can't think of any other shows on television that can attract this kind of fandom or attention. Yes. And I'm not exactly sure why it has that ability. There's some sort of international appeal to Game of Thrones. It's kind of, you know, because it exists in a fantasy realm, you know, there's no countries, it's all made up, everything, you know, and there's beautiful people and weird sex and, you know, stuff, that dragons, things that people don't really get to see. And I think once you watch it, you get kind of absorbed into that. Uh, it is very addictive. Uh, you know, you need to know, even if an episode is slow, you find yourself defending it the next day for whatever reason. You're like, oh, this is great anyway, even though they're just talking for 45 minutes. But it's all right, you know. Uh, and they also have the budget to back it up, too, which correct. is certainly an advantage over most television shows. That's very true. And and can we deny how beautiful it looks? I mean, you get a shot of a flying dragon with flames and that that is just the coolest thing uh, to see, especially if you're a fantasy lover, right? There is still a lot of story left to tell, but mm-hmm. only eight episodes in total, two more this season and then six next season. Right. Do you think that they'll be able to to stick the landing on this? Oh, man. So I just watching this season, it's like, you know, the timing is there's been a lot of talk about the timing of the episodes. Like, you know, it would take an entire season from 
last last season when someone would go from one place to another. It would take an entire season. And then this season you have like within a minute, you know, uh, Jon Snow is from one place to another on the map, which is a huge geographical range. Um, so I think what we're seeing is that they're cramming it in. They're trying so hard to cram it in. They've expunged completely those gigantic journeys that these these characters would take um you had i don't want to spoil anything but you know you had someone uh at the wall in like five seconds in the last episode and it was just uh it was so weird but so i think there's a little sense that they're scrambling um to get everything done everything tied up everything looking good and still be good you know appealing but in my career and uh it's been over 10 years now i i don't know if i've ever seen a season finale series finale actually really hit the mark on all levels really not even breaking bad i would say breaking bad was as close as you're going to get six feet under is another example of a stellar finale but you know they're few and far between it's tough it's tough to please everyone because everyone has their favorites uh everyone wants certain characters to have success failure whatever and it's impossible but um i think Hopefully, I have hope that they'll be able to do it. Global News Senior Online Entertainment Reporter Christian Selowitz joining us from Toronto. Once again, we are talking about how the latest episode of Game of Thrones coming this Sunday, episode six of season seven, has been leaked. It was leaked into their on-demand service in Spain, I believe, as well as uh, the Nordic countries. It was online for an hour So naturally, many people grabbed it and put it online and put clips of it online. You can find clips of it right on YouTube. And I didn't mean to find these clips. I was just browsing through my home page on YouTube and it popped up with this video, which I actually thought was a blooper and it turned out to be a major scene. So then I I took a closer look and I found the same scene with a different title, which essentially gives away what happens in the episode and it's uh it was a devastating spoiler for me and then but naturally for some reason my curiosity i couldn't stop looking for more and well, then i found more spoilers the, the news was there was the, the it was already spoiled for you so you figured wow may as well see what's going on and chances are you'll still enjoy it anyway when you watch the episode fully in its context i know i will but i just uh, i wanted to know but i i can't i mean this was by accident but there were there was a time I remember I was doing an overnight shift here back in 2004, Coast to Coast AM is online, and I'm the overnight operator, and I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole online, and I found a draft script, believe it or not, of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah? And I read some of it and spoiled it for myself, and I couldn't stop reading it. I finally, I don't know how I was able to finally pull out of that tailspin, but I ruined half the movie for myself because it turned out to all be right. I'm dumb. (laughs) We're going to look at traffic and weather. Ben McCary's self-diagnosis on full display right there. Traffic and weather up next. Taking a quick look at your weather. Sunny today. Oh, whoops. That's the cottage country weather. Sorry, that's not until tomorrow. Clear for tonight. Low of 13 for tomorrow, mix of sun and cloud, a slight chance of showers in the morning, a high of 27. And for Saturday, sunny, a high of 29. (laughs) It's 26 degrees at 680 CJOB. We will explain this all in a second, believe you me, because Brett McGarry needs a lot of help. Weather is for Lotto 649. Lotto 649 has super summer Wednesdays with 50 guaranteed prizes plus the jackpot by your... Ticket online at playnow.com. Enjoy responsibly. Before we explain that, we have stuff to give away. Wait, let's dance and wear. Mr. Brownstone. 
Guns N' Roses tickets. Playing next Thursday, August 24th. Investors Group Field with special guests, Our Lady Peace. We have two tickets to give away right now. Guns N' Roses is the only band to have two albums debut, one and two, on Billboard. What were those albums, and in what year were they released? Call us now at 204-780-6868. So, the, uh, the reason why Tristan was laughing... And I'm just going to throw in the disclaimer. I already told you I'm having a big fat week. We'll worry about that next week. Okay? It's, I'm still se- in semi-vacation mode here. Brett McGarry comes into the studio, like, seconds before I do my traffic report. He's He had to go search for the tough trivia question for Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I left it in my on my desktop. <laughs> right, exactly. Vacation mode engaged. And what happens is he comes in with a handful of chips. Yeah. Uh... And he, of course, as he sits down, he spills half of them all over himself because he's trying to snarf them all down. And what he tells me is that we, we had an agreement earlier because he wanted, Brett told me, yeah, I want to get into shape. And what I'll tend to do is we have a bit of a chip supply here in the office. And sometimes I'll bring a chip bag in the newsroom. Delicious and, old Dutch potato chips. And what happens is I'll leave it on an empty desk that's right next to where Brett normally sits. And Brett... Uh, you know, because he has no self-control or self-discipline, because Correct. the chips are right next to his desk, he's therefore morally, psychologically, physically, legally, any ali obligated to go have those chips because clearly everyone is forcing him to put his hand into that chip bag that's right next to him instead I'm of an just addict. ignoring them. So what happens is Brett tells me, texts me someday, says, I'd appreciate it if you stopped doing that. Uh, because while I was off, uh, he didn't consume any chips because yep. I bring them from time to time. And so I said, no problem, I'll do that. So, of course, while he's got 90 seconds or less than that to go find the answer for the Guns N' Roses trivia, um, while he's got that, he goes searching around the building for a I bunch of chips. I didn't go searching, they were right there, so Okay, I took so them. they were right there, so I took them. So what Brett fed me was essentially a bunch of BS. No, it was a that's not of, entirely true. No, I, I told you, I, yes, listen, I did ask you to do that, and I'm still going to ask you to do that. Right. Uh, once I re- resume normal operations next week. Right. Once I resume normal operations next week, yeah, which this will become is a, this next This is a month, big fat week for me, become... so next week will be fine. Hey, right. congratulations to Ken Ho. The first caller through knew the answer. This was an easy one. I lobbed a softball today. The albums were Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. It was a softball because you were too busy eating chips. 1991 was the year. That Guns N' Roses only band to have two albums debut, one and two on Billboard. Congratulations, Ken Ho. You're going to Guns N' Roses, weather and sports with the Clayman. Up next, Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones in for Greg Mackling this week and then for a couple of days next week. And then actually it's going to be me and Hal Anderson on Thursday and Friday be fun. next week. Yeah. That'll be uh, that'll be kind of a dream come true for me. Oh, la-di-da. Brett's going to be a bit starstruck, so... You might need some help uh, co-hosting on on Friday because he'll be in awe. Well, not I wouldn't go quite that far. I mean, you know, I, I'm just I can still try to hopefully pull it together and be a professional, at least pretend to be a professional broadcaster. As I, I like to say, in smoke and mirrors. Okay. One of the things we like to do while we're pretending to be professional broadcasters here is tell you about really unique, interesting things that are happening in the city of Winnipeg that could be happening right under your nose. And we stumbled upon something that actually Tom Milroy is is doing. You'll, you can hear the full interview with him Saturday morning. Yes, indeed. Uh, his show is on from 10 until noon on Saturdays. 
It's a festival called I Am Festival. And Tristan, can you tell us a little bit more about the right. I Am Festival? And and I've got a, a snippet from the interview, and again, you'll be able to hear the full thing on Tom Millery's show, but basically it's mind, body, and soul. It's a grassroots festival. They've only been doing this for a few years. It actually takes place in Toulon, which is 40 minutes north of Winnipeg. Great golf in Toulon. Uh, okay, thanks, Brett. And I uh, can relate everything back to golf. Yeah, Justin. of course you can, and that's not a problem. So what happens is, uh, this is, uh, again, It's we were talking earlier in the show about going on vacation and relaxing. Well, this might be a way for you to relax, for you to maybe find yourself to maybe disconnect from the world for a day or two. Again, at Grassroots Festival, and Tom Wilroy spoke with Tracy Thibodeau, and uh, we'll play a quick excerpt from this interview. And as we mentioned, the full thing will air on Saturday morning. But here is more regarding the I Am Festival. It's basically step out of your busy life and unplug out in the heart of the inner lake and in the heart of nature and just connect back to who you are and who you want to be and just, yeah, explore. I guess we don't, we don't seem to take as much time to uh, smell the roses as they say, do we? No, that's that's really part of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Relax, unplug, and recharge. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's about just taking an intentional weekend, especially you know summer is kind of burning out here. We hate to admit it, but it is. So to take an intentional weekend to just step back and kind of say, you know, what what am I doing? Um, get some new ideas. Relax. Listen to some great music. Meet some people that are all out there for the same reason. It's a smaller festival so there's you know a couple a few hundred people out here and and yeah it's just a great place to get out and just recharge yeah you got uh, don amaro lined up he's great he's amazing we can't believe the lineup that we have this year and the support from local artists and local talent coming out the presenters are incredible we've got don amaro we've got the dirty catfish brass band brooke paulson uh sheena grobe they're all on the main stage, which actually has been, uh, we had a promoter out here, and they saw the stage, and they told us that this is Manitoba's best outdoor venue. Wow. Uh, so it was kind of cool to, to get that recognition. And, yeah, Don Amaro is going to be playing in the stage in the woods, and, and uh, it's just going to be an incredible experience. I always like the name of Don's uh, Christmas album a couple of years ago, Have Yourself a Merrow Little Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Now, you're up near Toulon, is that right? Yeah, we're just outside of Toulon, Manitoba, so lots of people might not know where that is, but it's just north on Route 90, about 45 minutes, so pretty much as long as it takes you to drive to Bird's Hill, but you're going straight north instead. So whether you want to do yoga all day or all weekend or if you want to catch some sessions, uh, we have Kelly Johnson's here from uh, from Hawaii doing some sessions on um, improv and some love mapping for couples, so it's just like a huge huge gamut of programming wherever you're at in in life or whatever's interesting to you we've got lots of personal development uh, opportunities lots of just relaxing and entertainment and then there's the trails out here in the in the poplar trees that you can just unwind and a wisdom walk and along the way are little mailboxes with messages to kind of help you you know contemplate different areas of life um, so you can go on a wisdom walk too you mentioned love mapping what exactly is that Love mapping. So when you're with couples, uh, every person has like a love style and how they, they receive love. And she does a, a session on, that helps individuals recognize what their love style is and how that fits in with, other, with their partner. 
There you have it. Some details on the IM Festival taking place this weekend. The full interview will uh, you'll you'll hear all the details with Tom Milroy on Saturday morning. Uh, but again, you can take a look. It's uh, not far from uh, just outside of Toulon, forty minutes north of Winnipeg. And you can visit imfestival.net for details. If you're looking for a little something to do, uh, a mini vacation, if you will, this weekend, because we still have a few weeks of summer left. Yeah, I mean, technically it doesn't end until what? Uh, what is Is it the 21st? 22nd? Well, Brett, allow me to get technical <clears throat> for a second here. It depends what you mean. Because astronomically Ooh. speaking, uh, yes, you would be correct in saying it would be late September. But in the meteorolog- meteorological world, try saying that three times fast, um, the they do it based off a of month. So June, July, August is considered uh, summer. Uh-huh. Then September, October, November is considered autumn. You know, uh, December, January, February, winter, and March, April, May, spring. It makes more sense that way. Um, and I'm just looking here, and it, it is Friday, September 22nd. That's the last day. It ends on that day. That's the equinox. Yes, that's my birthday, actually. So, also the summer box office uh, season is uh, May, June, July, and August. So mm-hmm. if you want to measure summer by that way, there's no fall box office season. There's just winter, spring, and summer. Right, okay. Yeah. And um, any, do you want to tiny that back to golf? I, I probably could. Mm-hmm. Just give me a second here. Um, ah, I did say that I could tie anything back to golf. Yep. How about this? There are a few things I enjoy in life more than movies and golf. That's why if you go to the IM Festival near Toulon, you can also bring your golf clubs and go golf at Toulon because it's uh, they've got great fairways there. Mm-hmm. Maybe club right over the head with one of those anyway. Uh, we're coming wow, back next. that's aggressive. With... You just incite... Uh, you're going to no, assault I'm not, me? I'm not inciting inciting anything, but you're it's just sometimes... Just, just, no, I'm not going you to hit me with a you. golf club. I'm not going to hit you with a golf club. Will you calm down a little bit? That's a... That's a threat. Mm-hmm. Just threatened me. Yes, I fear for my safety. Yeah, do you remember how? You remember how I said earlier in the show, uh, we had a text from someone. It was boom shakalaka, and that's how I said it. Yeah. You're really worried that I'm going to actually spend any effort doing anything like that, Brett McGarry? Well, I, I, you know what you should do is mm-hmm. if you were, if you do go through with this and decide to club me over the head with one of these golf clubs, right. Make sure when you do it, you say boom shakalaka. Traffic and weather up next. Oh, Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones, Julie Buckingham, and Richard Cloutier sliding into the studio to tell us what's coming up on the news from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. We're going to say it with conviction because when you say words, you should say them with conviction, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like boom shakalaka? Yes. You should say it with conviction. Or say it like boom shakalaka because I don't want to yell. Or do it like this. Got to say it with con- conviction and style. I appreciate that. For future res- reference, <clears throat> you said it with conviction and style. Boom, shakala. <laughs> okay. Richard, what's coming up on the show? Please help me here. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> no, Richard. Oh, Richard speaking. isn't saying anything. No, oh, well, you were asking for help, and I was just contemplating that. Yes, Tristan, I will help you uh, in, in any of your endeavors. Absolutely, <laughs> I will. Because well, uh, I need a lot of it, that's for sure. Lots going on. Of course, the bombers are attempting to uh, dethrone the Edmonton Eskimos, trying to put uh, some ice on the Eskimos tonight at Investors Group Field. Uh, that starts at 5.30 here mm-hmm. on 680 mm-hmm. CJOB. Uh, we have some, uh, and it's Military Appreciation Night out there. So mm-hmm. we've got uh, some uh, features and interviews uh, related to that coming up. Of course, 
the top of the news is uh, the tragic uh, tragic attack um, in Barcelona. Uh, this hits a, a lot of folks really hard. It hits me hard because my middle daughter just came back from Spain. She spent some time in Barcelona, exactly where that happened. And I texted her and she said, you know, it's just a shame. Um, and I know, Julie, you were in Europe a little bit earlier this summer. And uh, people are always have that in the back of their minds, especially when they're in a public place. I don't think it's foremost in our minds here, but certainly if you're in Europe now, you're always looking and wondering, aren't you? Absolutely. And another topic we're going to look at is with everything that's been unfolding south of the border. And I know we even received an email here at work uh, from that came from the Associated Press talking about a glossary of the terms. We're hearing a lot of these yeah. terms thrown around. Alt-right, white supremacy, white nationalists, uh, all of these sorts of things. We're going to get that decoded and find out exactly who these groups are and what those names mean. So when you're using them or when you hear them, you'll understand a little bit more of the groups that we're talking about. All right, Tristan. Boom, shakalaka-laka. Boom, shakalaka-laka. Boom, shakalaka-laka. Boom, shakalaka-laka. Wow, they practiced that. Kind no, actually, we didn't. No, oh, we just a, know each other. Just we can a, finish but each. But we can do huga shaka, huga shaka. Yeah. yeah. Hey, when you can play the Hoff on your show. Yeah. Right. See, just that much insane. Julie I and I are at that point where we can actually finish each other's. Yeah, that's true. We can. We can finish each other's sentences. sentences. <laughs> One of our listeners here, by the way, is very happy that you, that you'll be taking over after us there, Richard, because apparently he's not a big fan of the antics that Brett and I take part on in air. So, Richard, you will also be saving the station. Well, while as, I, as I tell everybody, we're not your grandmother's radio station anymore. <laughs> wow. Well, or Rich, I said that yesterday after we actually, had yeah, a whole didn't. segment on... On a fart documentary that is being worked on right now. And you know, I meant to say that I was running errands and I heard that. And Richard, I don't think I've ever heard you laugh so hard. It it just goes to show that you never outgrow the fart joke. Yeah. Just so you know, that was my evil twin. (laughs) Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, thank you very much. They'll have more from 4 until 5.30 on 680 CJOB. I think earlier just out of habits at 4 until 7, but it's actually 4 until 5.30 because, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bomber Pre-game show begins at 5.30 with Bob Irving and Doug Brown and then kickoff at 7.30 from Investors Group Field as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers try to dethrone, as Richard put it, the Edmonton Football Club. Edmonton 7-0. and Bombers are 5-2. and Edmonton has never lost at Investors Group Field. They are 5-0 and against the Bombers. 6-0 and if you count uh, their 2015 uh, Great Cup. I believe it was a Great Cup victory at... Uh, at Investors Group Field. I'm just going off the top of my head on that, so forgive me if that is incorrect. Where was that here? They, since the, yes, uh, yep. Edmonton 5-0 and and 6-0 and if you include a 26-20 win over Ottawa in the 2015 Grey Cup. Undefeated and, uh, at Investors Group Field. We we really need to kick those guys in the rear end. Let's make sure that we dump them. Let's let's spoil their season, first of all. Let's make sure that they don't go, don't have a perfect season, or, or let's let's be the first ones to... Uh, unfortunately, if it's up to our texters, though, <laughs> our texters think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, some of them, yes, yeah, some of them, no. Like 61 to 9 was one of the predictions I saw as a final score in Edmonton's favor. Well, hopefully that is not the case. Thank you to Tristan Field-Jones doing another fine job filling in for Greg Mackling. Thanks to Savannah Piers, who has already fled the building. She's already had enough. Uh, and who can blame her? <laughs> we chased her away. Yeah, Jeff Forte has jumped in. And uh, just a reminder that Patio Palooza resumes tomorrow 
at Santa Lucia Pizza, St. Mary's Road. We're on the rooftop patio tomorrow afternoon. Go to cjob.com for your chance to win a $100 tab to join us on the rooftop patio. We'll see you there tomorrow at 1 o'clock on 680 CJOB.